0: Hello and welcome aboard another episode of the Galant Says Podcast, available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a five-star rating and a review, because we read them to open up the show. Honesty Hurts, writes Robiso. Robisock? I don't know. Honesty hurts. Old people don't know how to follow podcasts. Well, that's just mean. Paul's honest takes should be safe here. Keep them coming, young fella. I gotta be honest. I don't. I don't feel young. It is because I was in Las Vegas this past weekend for a three-day festival. That's why the podcast is up late. I got home on Monday afternoon. I woke up and I th- thought it was still Monday. Nope, it was. It was early Tuesday. I finally watched back the Seahawks game. We got a lot of thoughts on said Seahawks game. So a quick episode entirely about an awful 33 30 loss to the Titans. Let's go. I was just kind of curious what Paul gets to say. You are definitely living in the hindsight world today, Paul. You got fing grow, mother. Are you kidding me? Paul oh, what the hell is wrong with you? The worst part about the Seahawks loss on Sunday is that. It doesn't really look like much has changed for the Seahawks from last year to this year. That's not the end of the world. I mean, Seattle was a good football team last year, but all of the things that drove us the most crazy over 2020, they're still there. Now that could change by the end of the year, but I'm a little concerned with that. Let's start off with the obvious one, though, that I should have known anyway. Seahawks never blow any teams out. I always want them to blow teams out. I always think they can blow teams out. I was dead fucking wrong. And I'm sorry about that. I should have learned by now. I keep on doing this over and over again. I watch a team play a bad week of football, and I see the Seahawks look pretty good against Indianapolis on the road, a team with a good defense, and a team that also... In, I know when Carson Wentz is not that good, but I, I like him as a quarterback. I don't think he was terrible in that game. They played well. So I thought after the, the way that Tennessee looked against Arizona, so sluggish, so gross, that there was a possibility that we'd see that again. And maybe at first you did. But as the game wore on, you started to see more and more of the things that killed the Seahawks' season down the stretch last year. Let's start off with the offense. The great at making big plays, right? I mean, once again, a 60-plus-yard touchdown bomb to Tyler Lockett. Another bomb to Freddie Swain, who's wide open past the entire defense. And I'm sure that Russell Wilson is loving that. Big plays are back. I get to be the star of the show. I'm going to show all those people who have never voted me for MVP that I can be that guy. We all know that Russ is a bit of an egomaniac. Nothing wrong with that. Lots of quarterbacks, lots of basketball players are like that. I don't have any issue with it. But you do need to win. And Russell Wilson got back into the same, I don't see things in front of me. I'm going to throw things down the field. And at the end of the game, the Seahawks offense couldn't move. The first half. They did pretty well. They definitely got some assists. Obviously the missed tackle on the Tyler Lockett deep throw downfield. You also had... I thought some excellent (laughs) field position. I thought everyone saw that after Alton Robinson set, where did he go to college, by the way? Syracuse, that's right. Alton Robinson set the Seahawks up with a short field. So they got some easier means to score in this game early on. But as things progressed, this is something that we saw last week. I don't know if the Seahawks didn't make adjustments and I know that adjustments are something that are actually a bit overrated over the course of a game, but they were never able to make things better than they had been early on and they stopped running the football. And as I said a little earlier, a couple of examples of the Seahawks deciding and Russ specifically not going for things that were probably in front of him. There's a third and three play where he throws it deep to DK Metcalf. DK needs to come down with some of these in traffic eventually, and DK wasn't able to. The defender made a nice play there, but maybe there's going to be something that's over the middle of the field. Maybe one of your tight ends is going to be open. The last drive of the game, first down, second down, he's, he's bombing it deep down the left sideline, and he's overthrowing it too, and Seattle's at their own 10. Then... On third and long, Russ is trying to evade the rush, and he almost Dan Orlovsky'd his way into the end zone for a game-ending safety. I mean, he ran really far back there. That was just not a smart play. And then all of a sudden, the Seahawks have to punt with no room from the one-yard line. So you have the bunch formation. You're going to get a good return. And Tennessee had the ball already, essentially, in field goal position as soon as that last drive of the game began. So... I like the concept of what Shane Waldron can be with these jet sweeps. uh, Freddie Swain only got one of those. And I guess more of a commitment to running the football in a way that a lot more resembles that of San Francisco and Los Angeles. Like I like those concepts, but you have to take what's available and you have to have a focus on taking what's available. And that was a, a serious focus for the Seahawks throughout training camp. And then this game happens, and you're like, what the fuck was the point at training camp? You got away from the good habits that it seemed like you had instilled in yourself. And if it's happening after one game, I mean, <laughs> that's not good. If you have a new routine in life, you got to commit to it and you have to make it a part of your day-to-day life. This is the same thing I would imagine for Russell Wilson in terms of going through his progressions. So that's the offense. 13 carries for Chris Carson. That's it. One for Alex Collins. That's it. If you're going to run the football more effectively, you got to run it. It can't just be Russell Wilson scrambles. And you can't have what you continuously have here with this Hawks offense. At the end of the game, a drop back to pass versus handoff split where it's almost two to one. Defensively, they made the play, the strip sack that set Seattle up with a short field, but it didn't do much. My biggest concern last week was that the Indianapolis Colts were actually able to run the football fairly effectively against the Seahawks in the first half, but as the game sort of got out of hand, they couldn't stick with it. Well, since this game never got so out of hand, Tennessee just stuck with the run. And the big thing with a guy like Derrick Henry is he's sort of like a battering ram. Over the course of a game, he's going to wear down a defense, especially if the offense isn't helping the defense out and the defense is just sitting on the field taking blow after blow after blow after blow. Henry will eventually get his. This is something that he has proven, and that is why he is so damn good. At the end of the year, December, when teams are absolutely worn out, Derrick Henry, the blazing mule that he is, is a guy that is going to continue to just give you that workman-like, I'm a plow kind of effort. And when he gets going, when he gets into the open field, all right, his 0-60 to might not be the fastest, but once he's at 60, you're not going to take him down, as you saw in that touchdown that he had down the left sideline. So that's just Derrick Henry, right? One of the best running backs in the NFL. But Ryan Tannehill, who I don't think is a great quarterback, but has proven that even to me, who used to think he sucked, he's at the very least above average. He picked you apart. And he picked you apart in a way that reminds me a whole lot of the way that Jared Goff used to with the Los Angeles Rams. There's something about Seattle's defensive scheme that I don't know is fixable. Now, conceptually, if you got three guys playing in deep coverage, you got your two corners, you got your safety there's going to be some plays that are open over the seam because the safety is going to have to pick one side or the other. And the two corners are going to be based to the outside. Tennessee killed it in the seam and especially on post routes, Julio Jones feasted. And I don't even know this is necessarily the fault of the corners, DJ Reed or Trey flowers. Those spots are open over and over again. And while, Bobby Wagner had a ton of tackles in this game and did play well for the most part. How much of an impact is he having in coverage there? How much of an impact was Cody Barton or Jordan Brooks having in coverage there? They're not quick enough to get to some of these spots where these wide receivers are finding in the middle of that defense. And it has me just wondering about whether or not they need to jazz the scheme up a little bit. Where was the impact over the middle of the field from Jamal Adams? Where was the impact over the middle of the field outside of the tackle numbers from Bobby Wagner? Eight-yard gain, nine-yard gain, 14-yard gain. It it just kept on going and going and going and going and going. And I, I don't even know that that's necessarily a fault of any specific player. I think that might be just a scheme weakness. Credit to Tennessee for exploiting it. But, I mean, they just kept exploiting it. And Seattle never had an answer. The Rams did the exact same thing. Not necessarily all that the motion stuff and the speed sweep stuff. I'm talking about just attacking the same spot over and over and over and over and over and over again. Eventually, you gotta you gotta do something different, right? Or or disguise things in a way where it looks like it's going to be one look and it doesn't end up being that one. But at least based off of what I saw, it was the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again. And That's why the Titans had 40 minutes of possession and Seattle only had 20. I began things by saying that Sunday was a sign that nothing's changed for the Seahawks thus far in 2021. The conservative fourth downs, they're never going to go away, are they? Fourth and four in Titans territory, the Seahawks opt for a field goal. Fourth and four is long. Jason Myers was really good last year. Is Jason Myers going to be as automatic as he was last year, this year? I mean, he missed the extra point. I don't have that much faith in Jason Myers as fo- as, fo- as you would give to someone like Justin Tucker, right? You knew at the end of that game, if Baltimore got into field goal range against the Kansas City Chiefs in, 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 a, in a spot like that, or like you saw also on Monday Night Football 2, you knew that the Tennessee, excuse me, you knew that someone like Justin Tucker is going to make it every single time. Jason Myers, I don't know about that. It's a fourth and three at Tennessee's forty eight. The Seahawks opt to punt. What good is field position if your defense is not an all-world caliber defense? I get it. Michael Dixon is a great punter, and you might be able to set yourself up with some short fields, and obviously you did on the strip sack. But I I, I don't know. I don't know about this idea of kicking a field goal every single time. You have Russell Wilson. You got a good offense. Would Kansas City do that? Would some of the other best offenses in the league do that? Would, would the Buccaneers, would Tom Brady do that? Would Aaron Rodgers and the Packers do that? Fourth and one on your own side of the field. It looked like the Seahawks were going to try to, at the very least, run a play on fourth and short. Nope. They tried a hard count and they fucked it up. <laughs> False start. I don't think they were ever going to even bother with that fourth and one attempt. I thought, though, that would have been a ballsy move to actually go for it, to go for the kill. You're up by a touchdown. It's late. Why not just end the game right there? I don't believe that Seattle was actually going for it. Maybe they were. But that moment, also very frustrating. And as far as another thing, not changing for the Seahawks, the dumb, it's still there. Let's start off with the penalty that has gone viral across the NFL because no one wants it outside of owners and hoity-toity fat cats types. And I guess those who believe in sportsmanship and that football players have a responsibility to children to be stoic robots on the field. I don't get it. But we now have a taunting rule. DJ Reed was called for a taunting penalty on a play where he did not have the best coverage. He got up afterwards, he was excited, but he didn't do anything to stop the pass. And him getting as excited and as animated as he did, look, I I hate that penalty, I hate that new rule, but I also hate it when cornerbacks start dancing after not having done anything. DJ Reed did nothing on that play. What are you dancing about? And I I know, I know the rule's dumb. It shouldn't be in existence. But at least make it worth your while. At least do it on something where you did something big. This, he essentially tackled the wide receiver who was overthrown. He didn't make a play on it. So I actually don't have a problem with that penalty at all. I more so have an issue with DJ Reed getting up and and, and celebrating that. He did nothing on that play. Uh, DK Metcalf. This wasn't his best game. He had a holding call. He was called for an unnecessary roughness in a hold as well. I thought that he got a little bit too hyped for this one. And there's a certain point where he's got to draw a line. You know, he's lucky that he didn't get called for an unsportsmanlike penalty, pushing that guy all the way out of bounds. You know he's he's lucky about that. He was only called for a holding there. He, he sure pushed the guy all over the field. He gets under cornerback skins. I and I, believe me, I like that. But you got you got to be careful. And when you're holding a guy too, clearly let, let go, especially when the play gets by you. There was an unsportsmanlike call on the touch on one of the Seahawks touchdowns of the touchdown after the fumble. I, I don't know who the hell did it, but come on, guys, get together. Cody Barden had a holding call on a third and short play where Jamal Adams actually made a play in coverage against the tight end. It was a hell of a play. Jamal Adams against Michael Pruitt, who was being a total jabroni over the course of this game, huh? I mean, that guy, that guy uh, on that play where he blocked Jamal Adams and he's standing over him essentially. I, I can't believe they didn't call a penalty on him. And you can see why Jordan Brooks retaliated a little bit later, but you can't retaliate the unnecessary roughness that Brooks got called for hitting him while he was going out of bounds. Then also you had a roughing the passer. In overtime, it's third and short, and Adams is shoving. Why are you shoving? It ultimately is something that didn't cost the Seahawks, but it's also something that you look at and you're like, what are you doing, man? The play's done. The ball's out. It did allow Tennessee to get a little bit closer and put the the Seahawks in the bad field position that they did. And then also, I mean, you had, a, you had the worst fucking thing. I, I hate this about the Seahawks. This happens all the... It happens all the time. Stop with this shit. There's a third and two near delay of game in the second half. The Seahawks call a timeout. Why? Why? Why does this happen? How are you consistently so slow getting to the line of scrimmage? What is going on there? And that's on Russ. Russ is the guy on the field. Russ is the guy that has to be getting those guys to the line of scrimmage. Sure, it's on the, perhaps, communication from the sideline, the offensive coordinator, the head coach. But Russ has to be getting these guys organized. And this is something he consistently fails to do. At this point, it should be something that you've at least improved at slightly. And they have it. I'm mad about the Seahawks' loss. I know that you're mad about it, too. What I'm most mad about is that it does not feel like a whole lot has changed from 2021 to 20 uh, from, it does not seem like a whole lot has changed. Let's do it again. From 2020 to 2021. And I mean, that means you're still in for an entertaining season, but is this going anywhere past the first round of the playoffs or the second round of the playoffs? Sunday would tell you no. Big thanks to everybody who tuned in to, this week's edition, excuse me, this Tuesday's edition of the Gallant Says Podcast. Yes, another quickie. I apologize. I went too hard in Las Vegas. You can subscribe to this bad boy on iTunes or on Spotify or on Google Podcasts. Also on SoundCloud. You can also do it on YouTube, youtube.com slash Paul Galant and watch the bags under my eyes get wider and wider as I get more and more frustrated about the way that the Seahawks played down the stretch. So long. Farewell. You'll have another podcast available on Friday.